recording. Hello, Marcella. Hi, Mac. So today is going to be one of those that um, I thought would be interesting to do a little bit of an education for our uh, our audience slash listeners today, because I've noticed that there's been a lot of um, movement within the audiobook world, <clears throat> and I know yeah. this is a a big thing for authors that are trying to get into it but don't know how to go. And a majority of times, they always go to Amazon, ACX, and do that thing, and then mm -hmm. they're just stuck. So I thought it would be an interesting idea to not only talk about this, but to really come to it from a educational point of view and have a friend of mine by the name of Miss Ashley Durnham come in from Alabash. Uh, she is a great friend of mine. I've known her for quite a while and she has a agency, a media agency that deals with this. But also the other great thing about it is, is that she's not only uh, the owner of Malabash, she's also a voice actor, she's an actor, she's a model, she's a mom. She is literally the title of boss. So I thought it would be interesting to get her insights into it as well. So ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, I bring you Miss Ashley Durnham. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Max, so much. Uh, I appreciate that really great introduction. I don't think I do half of that stuff um, <laughs> sometimes, so it's kind of funny when people line it up for me. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's probably why I'm so tired all the time. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So for everybody else who doesn't know you like I do, could you just introduce yourself and tell everybody just a little bit about yourself, but most specifically, something they can't find on the internet about you? Mm, that's a good question. So I've started out uh, in the corporate world, and then I went to nonprofit, and then back to corporate. Um, ended up going into modeling at the same, like kind of at the same time, because you can't just jump into modeling for most people um, and got to experience the whole side of agencies, you know, forcing um, kind of their agendas and also just being able to put up for yourself, you know, and how far are you, how far along you can get with that versus working with an agency actually. Um, did some post-production with Sony and now I started my own company just because I've seen a lot of the, the goods, the bads, the uglies in the film industry. So I think when I saw that, it just kind of helped me realize um, if anybody hasn't seen the film Swimming with Sharks, a huge representation of what it, what the film industry is. And so I wanted to create a platform agency networking group that basically helps support the filmmakers and the media professionals, um, no matter what type of genre that you're in. So that's what, that's what our little company is. And I, what you can't Google about me. Uh, let's see. That's a really good question. I might be stumped on this one, but, um, probably the fact that I grew up on a farm, I don't think you could Google that about me. So, um, have some pretty humble beginnings as far as that goes, but you know, it was really a great experience for me. We had this huge, something I just remember is we had this huge, almost acre garden that we had to take care of for our family. And, um, this makes me sound really like old fashioned, but it's okay. Uh, you know, good, good things in gardening, honestly. So I learned all how to grow anything from berries all the way up to corn and um, pumpkins and things like that, you know, learns what to watch out for, what are the bugs that you have to, you know, all those, um, you know, fun fact, if you grow green beans, there's these little yellow bugs that if you accidentally touch them, they splatter in like yellow. <laughs> yeah, you're shaking, you're nodding. I love it, Marcella. Um, and it's one of the grossest little bugs you'll ever know about, but you won't know or have ever met this bug until you've grown actual green beans. So for all of you out there interested in growing green beans, this is your time to experience the bugs. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I've uh, gotten to know Mac 
for uh, a while now and have experienced, we've actually worked with Mac for voiceover and things like that. So we've been in the industry a little bit, you know, and it's, it's difficult with the voiceovers. It just like with anything, you know, everybody wants to be voiceover, everybody wants to be a writer kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'm happy to share with you whatever I possibly can today. I'm just, thank you for letting me be on the show. It's an honor. Well, I have to because I've been on your show quite a bit. So, you know, we got we got to play this a little bit. So I wanted to first start out by giving some ideas of what what should uh, authors really look for in the voiceover uh, voiceover world before they actually accept somebody to be their narrator from an agency uh, agency's point of view. From an agency's point of view, obviously you want to look at budget. I mean, there's some names out there that are really great. They can bring a, a whole new vibe and atmosphere to a, a script. They can bring it to an audiobook, whatever. And you really, you know, they come out of the high price tag too. So obviously the budget comes into it. What is your budget? What are you looking for? Do I need to cut down the amount of words that I'm having them work on, or the amount of pages, anything like that, that would make it easier? How do they work? You know, do they go cash up front? Is it royalty based? You know, what, what exactly is it going to be involved as far as, as far as that goes? So budget plays a lot into it, unfortunately. And then based within your budget, you can oftentimes find some really cool people that have exactly what you're looking for whether it's the timbre of their voice or they've got a way of captivating an audience and it depends on what type of genre you're looking for you're not going to want somebody that has a you know high-pitched squeaky voice for something that's deep and serious you'll you'll have to figure that out as to what you're looking for if you're trying to do a recording for phones or something like that you're going to want that typical calming voice that's clear and concise and something that's going to put people at ease if it's like an emergency line that you're trying to set up or if you're you know setting up your own recording for a fun animation studio maybe you to have it more hey guys how's it going it's got to have some power to it some commands and it depends too a lot of people choose for calming situations women's voices i know that sounds very uh, sexist but i mean it kind of comes along with that even though there's less women in voiceover than men um they usually try to choose if it's a something that has to deal with kids something that's more calming something that deals with um some more high class luxury it tends to be a woman's voice which is mm -hmm. just kind of bizarre to me but um i've also can't all be mr rogers yeah. yeah pretty much yeah because yeah. again and this is something that i've understood uh in my experience as a voice actor is that it, you're right there is a majority of time that you will listen and hear more female voices than you will male mm -hmm. and I'm, and that is true i understand that because again depending on what type of uh feeling you're going with for the narration you know it is one of those things that you want somebody that's more calming or that can play a certain uh tone than you know, a deeper tone, a grizzle tone. We are more towards uh, of what I've, again, out of my own personal experience, I don't know everything about voiceover, but out of my experience, I've noticed that grizzled tones are more used for like detective and thrillers and even sometimes the, the nonfiction world. Um, and that's why I go through to that first myself. Marta, what about you? What have you uh, found in your own experience? Well, I have recorded um, quite a few voice recordings for uh, companies. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, and my friends all joke that my claim to fame is stride right because that's the one that they still find when they call at night, my voice mm -hmm. picks up and tells you that the office is closed. Just like that. The office is now closed, blah, blah. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, I've also found that a lot of people are approaching me for meditation videos. Mm -hmm. so yeah. they say you know i'll be the, the the face but you're the voice marcella and i say okay i'm good with that I'm, i don't want to be on camera um but i get a lot of that um and as far as the books i've been approached by quite a few authors mm -hmm. uh you know that uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the ones we've had on our show where mm -hmm. they're they're saying we like your um your intonation we like the way that you uh you take your time with words whatever it is um, I have a few friends who have written books whose own voices I think would be great for their own book. However, they have very thick, heavy accents. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, in order for us to get the message across, we, we, we can read the forward, but we feel like you're the voice for this. So um, I can't do the cartoon voice. I leave those to Mac and mm. others. But I have, um, I have read for my daughter's school. I've been invited to read books during, um, I guess they call it Cat and Hat Day or Pajama oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. yeah. So I've read a bunch of the, um, uh, what is it, Dr. Seuss books. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're right, children's books. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a couple of other things, you know, I just did a video for um, crowdfunding where I'm just welcoming everyone. Now I'm on the video. I didn't want to be, I just wanted it to be my voice, but they took the, the whole video and it's me saying, welcome to this. And thank you for subscribing, blah, blah. So um, the, I, I don't know. I get approached by everyone for everything. And I think later on they realize maybe I'm too soothing, too calming. And then they say, yeah. I love it. I can listen to your voice all day. Well, I have a question for you, um, Ashley. I, do you get any authors or any, you know, I'm, 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 and let me give you my experience. Yeah. I was asked to read a book. I don't like it. Mm. I haven't signed anything yet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you ever get that after they've signed where they say, I, I can't do this? Um, a lot of times before we have them sign stuff, we have them look at like a pre-forward or like what the, what the general storyline is. That being said, you can always, when they open it up and they finally get the full script and all that stuff. I mean, there's stuff in there sometimes that you're like, oh, we didn't even know about. Um, and so it's, it is one of those things where they see that and they're just like, no, not interested. And yes, we do get that. Um, and you have to reverse everything again, but yeah, because that's the same with scripts too. I mean, actors sign on for a role and then there's one scene that they throw in their last second and they're like, no, I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not going to do this. If that screen, you know, that thing is in there and if they've got enough class, they can do that, you know? So yeah, it's kind of, it's, uh, yeah. Interesting. So let me ask you this and continuing on this, what would you tell the author in terms of this, like, okay, what, what should they do to really um, try to stay away from this type of situation? Or if it does happen, what would be your advice to them to correct this? The best advice I can give you is just never compromise yourself, honestly, because if you do it once, it's somehow going to be brought up again at another point and be like, hey, you did this. So, hey, you know, Um, if it does come up, I would suggest depending on what it is, if it's a company that's giving you these and they're feeding you and you get a variety of different options, you know, okay, you can stay with the company to say next. If it's a certain author that you're working with, it's a certain producer, if it's a certain company, gaming company or whatever, where they just tend to edge on edgy or they just are a little out of your comfort zone, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this. Is there any way that I could get something that's a little bit more in this genre? If they can't, don't compromise yourself. Just go to the next thing. It's not going to help you. You know, it, a lot of times having a niche that you're really good at doing um, is the best thing to do. If you're all over the place, it's hard for agents to be like, well, you have this, 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 and this, and this that you've done. Which one do you like? What is your best? What do you really want to do? Because it's too open. I have uh, somebody who is a writer who is just, he has too many things going on. It's like, you have to narrow it down to something so that we can shoot you in the right direction. And we have, you know, there's certain things you're going to be good at versus others. So yeah, I, I say stick to your guns, honestly. Marcella, what would you say on that one? You really want me to answer that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's just why I'm asking you. No, I, I, I do. I, um, I, I couldn't say it to the author how much I didn't like it, but the the publisher. I just said I can't read this. It's mm-hmm. it's actually crap, and yeah, yeah, and not everyone's gonna know. But I'm not gonna say who it is. I, I wouldn't do that. But well, the thing with that is too, you guys have to get involved. In yes, it. it's an emotional thing, and if you can't emotionally connect to something you're gonna hear it in your voice and it's gonna sound really just exactly yeah so i'd say yeah i think you're totally right absolutely and and i like how you actually said go to the publisher and talk to them yeah i would never want to hurt um an author's feelings any type of artist Mm-hmm. by telling them their work wasn't up to par in my brain because it's just me someone else mm-hmm. could read that and love it 
that's how I feel. So by going to the publisher and saying, maybe I'm not a good fit for this, mm-hmm. um, they can find someone else who might be able to, like you said, become emotionally invested in the story or the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that if there's something there, they, we've had an author on the show who has written a wonderful book. I just read some of it and I said, okay, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I just, there's something in there that just is mm-hmm. not for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, we haven't had the conversation yet. We haven't had it, but it's, it's, it's bound to happen because they listen to this, this and they're going to say, Marcella, was this me? And I'm going to have, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a bunch of them coming to me and asking me this. Um, it's, it's a fantastic story. There's just something there that I cannot uh, commit to. Yeah. And that's, and having that com that communication between the voice actor and the author is one of the most important things that um, is within this partnership that because of the fact that we want to make sure that when we're doing this, that we're really setting the tone that they envisioned, but also understand that when we do this, it is not only time consuming, but it's also emotionally draining, depending on what type of genre we do. For me, I normally stick with nonfiction, um, things that are more educational, history, stuff like that, because I find that it is easier for me as a man with a you know a lower tone um, to do something. And the way that I read too, it feels like I'm more of a teacher than I am you know, doing character voices, which I can still do. I have to agree with that 100% because I find that reading, you know, I mean, reading that anthropology book, Mm -hmm. you know, which one I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That one, um, it's according to them, it's well suited, the writing for a voice like mine. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I'm a soprano. I I sing opera. I'm a soprano. But I can't do those high pitched character voices. When it comes to reading and settling down, I'm, I'm really intrigued by, if I'm intrigued by the book, um, I find being there. I, fiction, I, I have a few on my mm-hmm. plate. I'm still working through them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and it's about the commitment to it, like you said. Yeah. And, and it's exactly that. Because again, <laughs> I hope I can get that out of the background. Um the the fact is is that sorry my my son is in the bathroom and he think I'm like oh my god seriously anyways uh, <laughs> I love doing this um, the other thing I really wanted to continue with that on is earlier you said uh, actually about budget. And I think that's something that everybody on both sides needs to understand how to do this, because we we all three know that there's three different ways we can do this, that payment can come around. One is uh, per finished hour, mm-hmm. which is for everybody else, per finished hour means that whatever the final time is on the uh, on the recording, that's how we uh, charge. So every hour, most most uh, novels will go around three and a half hours, give or take. Um, so we will always say for like for me, I charge three hundred dollars per finished hour. The average, and here's a here's a little um, uh, tip for everybody else: always understand what the national rate is prior to you get accepting somebody, mm-hmm. because. If so, if like for right now, the national rate for audiobooks per finished hour is two hundred and fifty dollars, and I'll I'll have a link in the uh, in the in the buy and the notes and everything, so where you guys can go and find out all these national rates and stuff because they're always updated every day. Um, the other aspect is is that the second one is royalty share fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. I always tell people not to do this because depending on where you're putting it is depending on how much you're actually going to be getting. Um, And we'll go into that a little bit later too, because I've got some uh, places that I really think people don't even know about besides Amazon and ACX and stuff. 
Uh, and the, of course, the third one is a partial per finished hour and then royalty sharing. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we always that's always a good thing to for everybody because then everybody's committed to it. So for me, I prefer per finished hour. And again, the reason why I do it is because of I believe I put the time in for it. That's all I should be paid for. The rest of it should go to the author. Mm -hmm. Ashley, what about you? What do you, what is your way of doing it? Um, honestly, we try to work with what each individual voiceover actor is interested in doing because we have voiceover people that do stuff for TV. They do stuff for commercials. They do stuff. So that adds a whole new ball game to it too. When it's used for a company for a certain extended period of time, it's going to be aired on TV. It's going to be this and that you can, your rates can go up, but depending on how much you, how much work you've done, people that, you know, do animation um, work with that, that work with Disney and some of the big studios and stuff, they can make a really pretty penny by doing their simple animation for, you know, their voiceover for the animation series and things like that. Um, a lot of times they'll hire, you know, big studios will hire actors already that have names and stuff so that they can increase their billing. But not always. A lot of times they'll hire voiceover actors to fill in a lot of the background or just some of the main things um, at lower rates. So honestly, it just depends on what the voiceover actor is comfortable with, how much experience they have, how wanted they are, what things they've been in. Um, I mean, I know a voiceover actor who charges about one to $3,000 per minute, I think, or something like that for a national television show and things like that. But he's got the major backing behind his name. He's been in a bunch of things and he's got a voice that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> he's got a really amazing voice that is just, you know, really powerful and it's meant for certain things. And, um, it's that calming voice and things like that. So he's, and he's worked himself well in certain things. Like he always shows up on time, stuff like that. So, you know, it kind of just depends on what you feel comfortable with. I don't suggest doing royalties. Um, giving up of your voice a hundred percent to a company, you better get paid for it. Um, it depends on Royal. So, okay. Royalties are a wide stream. So you got royalties for book sales. You have it royalties for, um, you know, having your voice on a television or having it on a huge commercial type thing. If you're giving up your right to that voice recording a hundred percent, Make sure you charge enough that you feel reimbursed for. Um, and, you know, if you know it's guaranteed to get on there and there are royalty options, that's great. Honestly, I, you know, take advantage. Um, but if not for books and stuff, I'd say get get your money up front, honestly, um, unless you know it's a best-selling author and it's likelihood to make some real money. I would maybe do 50-50. I wouldn't do total royalties. What about you, Marcella? What, what What's your way of thinking on this one what do you prefer i i like where ashley's coming from to be honest with you because um the whole book thing is very new to me in general mm -hmm. you know i've done very short recordings and i've either been paid up front or traded for something specific um <clears throat> whether it be a subscription to whatever it is i'm or, or maybe i worked you know with stride right i worked there for I worked for the company for many years and mm -hmm. um, my trade-off was what the, for the duration I worked there, my daughter would have free shoes. Ooh. Yeah. Well, she outgrew them, obviously she's much bigger, but um, that, that, you know, that's where I would go with something like that. But for a short recording, they have maybe four, five of them of me just giving direction, you know, push this for that, call back in the morning, leave a message. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to have those for a while. So she wore the shoes and, you know, I feel like I got the best value out of it at the time. But as far as a book, this is great um, information, Ashley. I truly appreciate hearing all this. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing I want to really hit on uh, pretty quick is that um, whenever. One of the things that I found is that whenever I get a an author in for an audiobook. They really don't know a lot about it. They don't know the process. They don't know the places to, to put it on. 
So for me, I feel like I have to educate them. Is there a certain way that you do that in terms of your, your audiobook uh, voiceovers comparative to any of the other voice acting uh, projects that come your way? Yes, as much as we can. You know, some projects are still majorly in, in the works when it comes to like commercials and things. You don't know necessarily who they're going to be acting with or, you know, what. But for the most part, you get a brief as to what it is that you're looking for, um, what the what the company is looking for. What is it about? What's the commercial? So we can send it off to multiple. Like I've had so many um, voiceover actors say, no, I'm not interested. Or, yeah, I might be interested. They look at the brief. No, I'm not interested. Um, when it comes to the audiobook, I think it's new for a lot of people because audiobooks really aren't highly saturated right now, even on Audible. Um, it's becoming a new thing. So I think once that happens, it'll be a little bit, people will understand the process more. But still, you're coming with authors that, unless they've already done this before, they, they don't know the process is very ominous and things like that. So yeah, we always try our best to explain to them um, you know, what the process is if they're looking for a voiceover artist, you know, and what we can't go off of what we can kind of go off of what rates you guys are working with and things like that, but we don't want to promise something and get them to you guys. And they're like, Oh no, they promised us this and this. So it kind of like, we need to get to know you guys really well. And even then we try to just leave it as up to you as possible. Cause each person does it differently too. Some voiceover artists, they get it done in a certain time frame. They're booked until this much time. So we don't know it can be such a variable, but um, for the most part, we try to give an upfront of the process of it, you know, how long it could possibly take and things like that in a general sense. But besides that, it's kind of up to you guys to fill in a lot of it just because you know your schedule, you know your rates. It could have changed. You decide yesterday, you know, what, I'm going to do this, but to, you know, the next day, you decide to do something different, you know, we can't always keep up with that. So I have a, a really interesting question for you, Ashley. And and Mac, maybe you can uh, answer this too. Since mm -hmm. lockdown, mm -hmm. how do you find recordings have changed? Because prior to lockdown, I had gone into studios mm -hmm. to record, even if it was just two sentences, I had to physically go in and I was compensated for uh, transportation. Now, everyone is, I have a lot of friends who are doing voice work who are editing their own work. Mm -hmm. Some people like me, for example, I have a person who has helped me. I can send them a recording, they clean it up and then we send it on. Now they get paid through the company. Some people I pay myself. So I just wondered how you've seen a difference in, in the recording processes since, uh, since lockdown, since, and then after everyone coming out of there, I do know there are people who are going back into studios and there are a lot of people who just don't want to. I don't want to be in the studio with a bunch of people right now. Um, I prefer to record it, uh, voice notes, other apps and send it in. So there's, um, you know, what do you think about that? That's a great question, honestly, because we all saw a huge difference with lockdown. It, I mean, we couldn't go into a, a studio, right? And the people that were allowed to, you had to have a specific, very strict um, COVID fo following, right? So what we kind of found is, you know, a lot of people, they have become their own producers, their own voiceover producers, where they have everything, their whole studio is in their basement, is in a room of the house, and they record from their house, the comfort of their pajamas or whatever, and they send it directly to the company. Um, we also do see where when it comes to filming and you need the voiceover, a lot of the actors will have to come back to studio because they don't have access to that. So a company, a studio, or the film director will pay the voiceover actor, whoever, wherever they're at, to go to an actual studio to do the recording. And that gets uh, you know brushed and taken care of and then sent to the actual file. So there's both. And right now it's coming where um, sound people, they want they want the, that business back. So there's a huge push in getting that back through the doors um, as far as that goes. So it's kind of 50-50. It depends on the budget <laughs> a lot of times. But a lot of times too, people, if they know that you have your own production going on, they're going to be way more likely to come to you because they meet, they know that it'll probably be cheaper for them in the long run than paying a studio a hundred plus dollars an hour just for you to be in there or a minute or whatever, however it works. Yeah. So that's a good question. Yeah. For, for me, I, I, I prefer doing it in my own, my own studio. Mm 
yeah. um, just because it gives me the capability of, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to that stuff. Plus, I, I've done it another way, too. I've actually sent stuff to a studio. But then when I went to actually um, to get the payment from the author, they automatically just reversed it on me and said, oh, I just want to do royalty sharing now instead. Mm-hmm. And it just now I've screwed out a, a studio that did work for me. And now I have to do my best to try to build that bridge back up. Yeah. So because of that, and it has nothing to do. I understand the reason why he did it. I just wish he had told me prior to us getting into that situation. So yeah. now I'm trying my best to fix the situation and still send that studio business so that they can actually still think of my me on better terms than what has happened. Yeah, it burns a lot of bridges, you know, if you can have it in controlled environments, you know, because big studios, they work with people that have their own little setup in their house a lot of times because they know it's just, hey, script, send it back, script, send it back. It's easy. It's simple ish, you know, whatever. Um, And it's controlled. They they know the quality is going to be they don't have to worry about, oh, is the studio full this time? Do we have a slot? It's so much simpler. Um, And also, I feel like the voiceover actors feel more comfortable in your own environment. Like there's nothing worse than being in a sterile. I mean, personally, sound studios can be very zenny, but they also are very sterile. It's very hard to go in there sometimes and just, you know, it's so quiet. but if you're at home and you have that ability to, you know, be able to be comfortable, you can just get into it better, I feel like. So I, I think those, I think the way the digital age is going and more voiceover actors are being used for the metaverse and things like that. So that's all digital. Um, a lot of times they may hire you on with a specific crew. Otherwise, I just feel like a lot of times you guys are probably going to be the best, especially with podcasting coming out so, so big now people have their home studios. So I really would highly suggest anybody who's a voiceover actor to, to definitely invest in a, a home studio. I think it's a really smart idea. I was just going to say that it is a huge investment, right? Um, I mean, the ROI, depending on the type of jobs you get, would be great. Um, also, depending on the type of equipment. And we have a friend who does editing for us, Shelby Conquest. And I've talked to her about about creating a space for me because I live in an apartment Mm -hmm. and I said what are your thoughts on this and she says you know what when you're ready let's take pictures let's look at where you are and I can create something for you that can be put away so that you can have a yeah no she's she's an incredible incredibly um creative person as well as an amazing musician and um I've talked to her about sound I said you know I have a little one she's not so little but she's 10 and she's autistic and sometimes she just requires attention And whether or not it's not a lot of noise, but she just wants to be right here. So I said, well, how can I, how can I have this and maybe drown out? She says, there's other ways we can go. So it is an investment. And in hiring the people who can like Shelby, who can do this, it's shameless plug Mac. I had to, I love Shelby. Oh no, I I agree with it. Cause I, that's the person I really love to send stuff to. I know she's amazing. Her team is excellent at what they do when it comes to just audio. Right. Um, And, it, it is, and I'm glad you said this, Ashley, about it being a growing um, part of publishing, because it is. Even though it's been around since, 19, I think it was like 1931, no, 1921, excuse me, because here's here, here's a little trivia for everybody. The first audiobook was actually the Bible, and it was created in the Institute of the Blind, on a vinyl so that wow. people could actually hear the bible and get something out of it but it's still my it, thunder i was just going to talk about audio on vinyl that uh, because i have relatives who are blind and we had vinyl at home with all types of books growing wow. up so yeah that's it's amazing yeah it's amazing and the fact and of course you know back in the 70s and 80s I think it was I think it started in the 60s, no, 70s, uh, with uh, the audiobooks on tape. Mm-hmm. You know, we everybody had everybody. one of those. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> did. And it just went away after a while because you know it wasn't doing as much for the publishing world. And then all of a sudden, digital world comes in, and who should see coming in? 
boom, all the studios yeah. because yeah. they see the potential in it. And when I was doing some uh, research on a class I was going to give on audiobook that no one ever came to, um, it, <laughs> I know, I know, I felt bad, but it still allows me to have that same that same research still. The fact is, is that there was a research done um, back in 2020 uh, that got uh, released last year saying that out of the, I think it was like 4,300 people in general public uh, stated that 49.9% of them would not only have the hardback, but they have the ebook and they have the audiobook. Mm -hmm. The reason why they did that was because of the audiobook. And then they started to notice that a lot of people were getting more um, more into Audible and all these other companies that were doing that. But many authors are still throwing their stuff over at Amazon and ACX. And I have nothing against them whatsoever. I just want people to understand when you're getting into it, you have to understand how much these companies are taking of the profit mm -hmm. to sell your book and how much as a voice actor we're taking in the profits with the author. Mm -hmm. So like you guys said earlier, if it's somebody that doesn't have a lot, uh, if that's their first book, then I, I always say, I, I recommend not doing that with ACX because they take 80% of the profits. So if you're selling your book for $20, you're only going to get $4 out of that. And then if you got your audio book and you're doing royalty sharing, you're only getting $2 per sale. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there have been points in the past where some of these bigger companies have not paid the author because the book was returned and didn't say anything to the author about it or the voice actor. So I wanted to see how much you guys know about the distribution of the audiobooks, because there's more than one place besides ACX and Amazon. So Ashley, do you know of some places that people can actually go to load up their audiobooks or to do research on these distribution companies? Yeah, I actually have a, uh, a list of ones that um, you can go and upload your audiobook to and they just sit there and they slowly accrue you revenue and everything. It's actually um, a little bit better than ACX as long as you, you know, are willing to wait it out a little bit. You know, you're going to have to wait a couple of years before you make some thousands of dollars and everything like that. Um, but I don't know where the wait list is. I just lost it. But let me see if I can find it. Um, in the meantime, I know with, you know, ACX and getting it on Amazon the audiobook versus, you know, I really appreciate what you said with everything, Mac, um, as far as like ACX and what they do take from you and all that stuff as far as the royalties and things like that go. Um, and a lot of a lot of it comes down to bundling too, which what you talked about. People love the bundle side of it where you get the the solid, you know, the hard copy book along with the audiobook because um, it just is a bigger deal to them. People like that bundle side. And on if you do an audiobook right now on ACX versus having the solid, you know, um, hand, you know, the paperback book, um, you're going to you're you're looking at a huge difference as far as competition goes. So right now on a, a lot of audio platforms, the amount of people that you have is like one in a hundred thousand. So every one hundred thousand people that are on Amazon, I think selling you've got one person on the audio side. So your competition's really low. Um, and it's really actually a good idea to, if you want to go that distribution route versus just doing it yourself, there are companies out there that have their own audio book. And I could send it to you, Mac, you can link it to this because I can't find it. Um, but there are companies out there that will produce your own audio book 
and you can put it on your website. That way you get direct royalties. I mean, you can get direct sales and everything from that. You just need to push your website. You need to push this book. And so you can easily do that. There's plenty of platforms out there where you can upload your audiobook to and just send that to everybody and they have to pay to get access to it. So it just may be a little bit different of doing it yourself and pushing it versus having it on a website that might slowly get you income over time. Um, you know, kind of is a, a little bit of how anything in this business works. You know, if you push yourself, even though you have an agent, you're probably more likely to get more gigs. So it's, um, if you can sell yourself, use that, create a little blurb and add it to, um, your website, add it to a podcast that you're doing or something to that extent, but be careful. Don't give away too much information about what's in the book. Cause then people don't have to read it. So make sure that, you know, you're giving just a little enough of a sound bite when you're introducing that to people and then have everybody, you know, a fair price to pay for it. And honestly, that's probably going to be your best way to go. And then just push that book. Yeah, I, I agree with that because, again, there's so many places and so many things that you can do. Marcella, what, what about you? Do you have any insight on that? Hey, Darren, I'm taking notes. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting because we're both in the same position. Like we want to be able to record, but at the same time, we want to make money. You know, and I mean, I mean, there is a mission to get our voices out there in general. Like I, all of my friends are telling me, I want, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want everyone to hear you. Um, that's great. But, um, you know, what, what's the uh, return on investment for me, for us, for Mac, you know, yeah. for, for Ashley, um, yeah. you know, we've all got families and, and so, yeah, it's, it's great information. Thank you so much for that, Ash. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, um, you know, doing it yourself can be kind of, Omnius too, I think is something I wanted to bring in. You guys can, if you're, I don't know, for me, I'm not a great writer. So a lot of people, they're just like, I want to write a book, but I don't know where to get started or I want to do this. There's a company called Urban Writers and they have a really inexpensive way to get a manuscript that you can get for, I mean, I think three hours, which is a typical novel or, or nonfiction, you know, book um, mm -hmm. is about like four. $500 or whatever, which is actually pretty inexpensive in this world. And yeah. then you just get a cover, which may be $5 if you have, you know, if you don't have Cavana or something like that. And you can create, that's one of the things too, with the appeal with a lot of these platforms are, it does all that for you. You know, you just need to, you can hire all these writers and stuff like that. It makes it simple for some people, but you can do it yourself, create your own and then once you have the audio book and all that stuff, um, you can send it to somebody that would do the um, voiceover like you guys for whatever price that we would charge and then, you know, set it up that way. So if you're willing to put in a little bit more work um, in the long run, it might be cheaper and you'll get a bigger return because you can have control over that book and where it's going and who it's being seen by and how it's being pushed. Um, and it's really pretty simple uh, process. You just go get that manuscript, send it to the, well, send it to a, a voiceover artist, or sometimes voiceover artists will partner with other writers to do everything for you, which I actually highly recommend if you guys are interested in getting into the book world to kind of partner. Yeah. Partner with these people because, you know, and make sure that your package deal is pretty appealing. That way yep. you can get these people in and then just like you can you can do the whole thing. Great. Here's, you know, send them the outline. They fill it out. And in two weeks, we'll say that's the, the time frame. They have a book, an audio book that they can take and sell. And, you know, the overhead, there's no royalties. You guys get your fees up front. So that's a really cool idea, too, if you guys are, you know, really wanting to go that route because, Audiobooks are growing pretty quickly. So I would highly recommend if you're thinking partner up. It's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we, we close out today and Marcella asks some questions. You know, I don't know if it pertains to this show, Mac, but well, I do have one. Okay. I have two. I have two. Um, okay. Go ahead, Mike. You were going to say something before. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to tell people is, is that there's three major places that you want to put your, your audio books up. Obviously, AC, uh, Amazon ACX because of Audible and Amazon. That's the big thing on that. 
But there's two other places that you really want to put them, and it is findawayvoices.com. Uh, and they distribute them to over 45 different, or excuse me, uh, 41 different uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one that's called public, uh, publishdrive.com. And they have two, uh, uh, a couple of places there as well. Um, so those are some places. There's a gentleman that is on the on YouTube called Dale R or Dale L Roberts, um, and he actually has a video out there uh, telling you exactly how to publish your audiobooks to 45 platforms in 10 minutes. So you just have to have literally everything already set up and ready to go. So yeah. I would definitely suggest if you're wanting to know exactly what places to go, I would recommend going to his page and look at watching that video because there's a lot of information on there, especially if you're a self-publisher. So I'm going to end right now. Marcel, you've got some questions. Let's go ahead and go. I do. We used to call this a speed round because they're they're pretty quick. Um, so there's no uh, kryptonite here. We're going to leave that off well, the table. No, no I why, why do you think that? I can say... Ashley, what is your creative kryptonite? Mm. Creative kryptonite, that's a good one. I think it's uh, probably stress and just like having to deliver on a, a time frame base. Um, and I think for me, it's not having the opportunity to really mentally dive into it, whether I'm just too tired or something like that. If I can't actually get myself into the project, it really does inhibit my creativity. Sleep goes a long way too, but. Ooh, very good, Mac. Very good. Okay. Touche. Okay. Um, so Ash, what, is there a person, let's, let's go this route. Is there an artist that you really admire that you look up to that maybe inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? Oh yeah. There's a gal, her name is actually, um, Cat Wells and she has this, um, really amazing it's been written up in Forbes I mean she's been to the White House all this great stuff and she inspires me to do what she is she was an actor that uh, was in Hollywood had these really great productions and things that she was in and then she had this really serious disease happen where she lost like half of her intestines and stuff like that and she has she's you know basically disabled because of that I mean she's able to get around and everything but because of that she lost her positions and her acting roles in these films so she got into the world of representing, um, you know, a lot of people that we wouldn't think about, you know, being in films and disabled, special needs, things like that. She has this huge agency that's doing extremely well because it covers, you know, and she's able to bring up to people the importance of having representation on all levels. And she's a huge inspiration for me. I just follow her and like am in awe at everything that she does. Um, because she really cares about the people that she represents. So, yeah, she's Catwells with C-Talent. We'll have to get that information for you, Mac. Uh, the, other, the other question, curious, um, because this is something that I personally have endeavored to um, utilize. What do you feel about having a vocal coach? Oh, uh, I would love to have a vocal co coach, honestly. I think it would be really... Uh, I think there'd be a lot of tear moments, <laughs> just like with having a, a singing coach or anything like that. But I love to have a vocal co vocal coach, obviously, okay, already having problems, just because my entire life, I've been told that my voice sounds very childish. And, you know, I always feel like I could just, it would be helpful to, you know, know how to talk and not feel like you're I don't know, rushed or uh, not know how to use your voice to the best of its ability. So yeah, I'd actually be, I'd be down for it. Well, here's what I want to ask. Is, is there a quote that really inspires you to continue doing what you're doing besides the artist? Uh, not really. I think I need to know what is behind each individual person versus you know, quotes are great, but like, what does the quote mean exactly sometimes? You know, it's, it's it just face value. Does it mean more? So honestly, like, I love the artists the best. I think I'm a visual learner. So it's really helpful to see people that have blazed the trails. I think we all like that. It's nice to see something that's blazed the trails. Yeah, it's great to see an encouraging saying here and there or something that just kind of keeps you going. Um, 
I have my own thoughts. I have kind of tried to live by the best as I possibly can is, you know, if you give up the right to learn, you give up the right to success. And that's just something I've always told myself um, throughout life because it's just, it's just the truth. So honestly, I, I learned the best and by having somebody where I can see them blazing the trails ahead of the head of me. That is awesome. Thank you, Ashley, for being on here. Tell us where everybody can find you. Uh, You guys can find me on malabash.com. You can find us on all of our social media platforms at Malabash LLC. So we'd love to have you guys stop by and see how we can help you out. And thanks so much, Mac, Marcella. You guys are fantastic hosts. This has been fun. And I'm looking forward to the future, seeing where you guys go, too. It'll be fun. Awesome. So, Ashley, go ahead and uh, mute yourself, and we'll give our two cents real quick, okay? All right, Marcella. Oh, she's, great. she's great. My, my $200. She's oh, great. Oh, it went up. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it always goes up. You know that. Of course. Yeah. No, <laughs> Listen, you, you got to value yourself, Mac. That's true. That yeah. is true. That's Tell true. people what you're worth. Exactly. So I think she's amazing. I think the information was um, really wonderful because we have had a lot of um, people on the show who have talked about about recording their books. And I think this is really great information for all of them. I can't wait for everyone to to start commenting on this on this episode. Oh yeah, me too. And and again, I've I've known Ashley for a while and she is always amazing. Uh, she's a hard worker. She built this from scratch. She is she's definitely one of those that I really appreciate uh, coming into my life. And being able to work with her, being able to see her company grow and evolve, and even her as a as a young lady growing into womanhood and having a beautiful little girl. I love her little girl to death. She's amazing. Um, and yeah, I think, honestly, you're right. This is one of those episodes I think is going to be interesting to see how many people really interact with it and how many people will actually uh, learn from this and get inspired to actually get into the audiobooks as well. So I will close it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us and being here. And we always appreciate you leaving those comments, leaving those reviews, sharing them with everybody around the world. And like I always say, keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.